Hello and welcome to the telly show, entertainment.ie's TV podcast hosted by myself, the TV editor of entertainment.ie, Fiona Flynn. Each week on this show, I chat to people who work in front and behind the camera of television. And so far, I've had some great guests, including Bosco and Joe Spain, which you should go back and listen to. Joe Spain was the co-writer of Taken Down on RTE. This week's guest, though, is another legend of both Irish TV and cinema. It's Pat Short. Pat Short is a man who first rose to fame as part of comedy double act Dumbelievables. But since then, he's gone on to win praise for his incredible performances in the likes of Garage, Small Town and most recently The Belly of the Whale. I chatted with Pat recently about everything from how he first got started to where he gets the inspiration for his comedy, as well as how emotional he found his recent stint on Who Do You Think You Are? Pat, it's absolutely lovely to have um, you here. Thanks, Viola. Great to see you. Honoured yeah. to have you as a guest on the telly show. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Considering your own show is music from the telly, isn't the te- it? Uh, yeah, and, I'm, and years ago with Dumbelievers, we had uh, the telly was one of our exactly, videos. Exactly, yeah. The apostrophe. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's you're great. high up on my well list when I thought of the name telly. of that show. <laughs> 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 uh, but it's great to meet you. And I believe yeah. you have a new show on the way to the Olympia. And it's also your first time in the Olympia doing a solo show, I believe, is it? Uh, it is actually, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I was there uh, last summer with the uh, Skull of Connemara. You were. Uh, it's Mark McDonough's play. play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would take it in theatre company. It was great. And it's, I'd forgotten how fantastic theatre it is, you it's, know. It's gorgeous. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's a real pride and joy. Yeah, and they've done it all up as well. And yeah, so it's yeah. kind of, it's, it's really nice. Um, I was there years ago with Unbelievables. Um, I can't remember what show we did there. Um, it might have been one I never do. Yeah, yeah. Yonks and yonks and yonks ago. So it was great. Uh, so it was great being back in there with uh, the skull and kind of got me going again. So I was talking yeah. to the lads and I thought, yeah, God, it'd be nice to play there again. So yeah, we're back yeah. in in January and I'm really looking forward to doing two or three three nights, I think, in the trot. Amazing. And yeah. what can um, fans expect from this show? I, I, I hate talking about my shows, but I suppose what I always do is, is um, incorporate the audience into the show. Yes, and, yes. And uh, I don't pick on the audience, although people would dispute that. The joke is always on me. But yeah, I kind of yeah. use the audience as a foil. And, and in this show is kind of no different. I, I kind of pick a theme and, and this show is based loosely around beauty pageant. Oh, right. And okay. I, just, I just love the whole notion of pageantry and everything else. So the audience become the beauty pageant people and it's called the Tipperary Tulip. Oh, brilliant. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. I mean, it is. It's mental. It's great fun. <clears throat> so it's, yeah, and it's, it is. It's a bit of madness and yeah, great yeah. characters in it. You know? And then the characters, I know you write yourself mm. um, and I suppose first off, when you're sitting down to write these characters, where is the inspiration? Is it people that you meet? Is it sort of constantly coming to you? Or is it sort of characters that you've invented in your head that you'd almost like to meet? It's a mix of invention and memory. I, I, yeah. You know, characters that I remember when I was younger and incidents that I remember, and whether it be a school teacher. But I, as I, I'd say, it's never one character. You know, it's kind yeah. of an amalgamation of characters. So I remember doing a school teacher character before and everyone said, oh, I knew that teacher. He taught it. And was it this character? And it wasn't any particular teacher. The look of him was... was based on one teacher I had when I was younger and the characteristics of him uh, was based around another teacher that I had and yes. then the, the, there was other aspects of it uh, about another teacher so about four different characters involved in it and that's kind of how you do it I, I yeah. think <clears throat> it, it's very hard to find one person that's really funny so you kind of pick and choose funny aspects from three or four of them yeah like it's an amalgamation yeah, then yeah, of yeah, one. Yeah. and is there anyone you're doing a show that you just sort of love getting into or there's, is there anyone that you're like how am I going to tackle this fella now like you know is there anyone that or do you sort of find it's easy enough to go in and out of them I, no I, well I mean when you're creating the characters first it's hard to find um, you, you kind of embedded in the character so yeah. you, you know, like with this I, I, the character I do in the pageant now is really, I love him. He's, he's um, 
uh, you'd have to see him. It's yeah. not one particular car, but it's just he's larger than life and and kind of almost kind of oh, how would I describe him without? <laughs> Uh, he's he's kind of almost effeminate, kind of that kind of uh, kind of almost um, asexual type character, yes, and yes. larger than life. Yeah, and uh, he's it's just a, a blasphemy, you know. And, I, and it's a guy I know. It's kind of like I kind of loosely based it on him a little bit. Yeah. Uh, who I know is like that larger than life character, and and uh, it took me a while to nail it. And when I nailed it, I remember doing it in front of some of the guys down in the office. Yeah, and straight away they were, they loved him, you know. Uh, they were falling around, and it just it. I was trying to find a proper hook for this character yeah, for a while, yeah. and, and it took a while. Yeah. So it doesn't always just kind of you, you don't always kind of. I had a, a scenario in mind there I wanted to do, and then I was trying to fit a character to it. And yes, it, it was, yeah. I was finding it difficult, but yeah, yeah. I nailed him in the end anyway. I got him, and it's really, it's great fun doing. Yeah. It's, it's desperate talking about comedy. It really is. <laughs> I know. It's hard. I, mean, if, I think it's hilarious anyway. <laughs> no, but that's, that's what you want. You know, yeah, that's what you yeah, want. You yeah. can't laugh at it yourself yeah, then, you know. Exactly. Uh, but I just find the writing aspect of comedy, I was, I'm always so fascinated in it, and especially. Um, the, not to get too serious on you, but I read before that you said that you sort of feel like you grew up in two Irelands and you much prefer this Ireland. But I was thinking in terms of your comedy writing, do you have that in mind of like, is it a different audience nowadays than there would have been 10 years ago? Do you let that even affect what you're writing? No, I don't think you can. I yeah. don't think you can do that because it, it, you just, whatever you find funny. Um, and yes, audiences move on and you, you know, yeah, but still... Do you know, I, I get a, a, a young audience in to see me as well. And, mm. and I even find my own kids. Uh, I try out stuff with them and, you know, they don't find me that funny. But, <laughs> but <laughs> no, but the, I, 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 I'm surrounded by kids. You know, my own kids are teenagers and, and, yes. and 20 year olds now. So I can see what they're laughing at. And it hasn't changed much. Yeah, people, yeah. people generally speaking find daft things funny you know what I mean and I think that's what yeah. I kind of work on is daftness and, and silliness and not and I I'm, I I never did anything that was contemporary if you know what I mean uh, or, or for the moment because I think that will age yes so yes. what I do is look at, at behaviour really more so than anything else and, and silliness daftness yeah. and silliness yeah and you mentioned about your kids there would they be going to your shows now or is it sort of like dad or you oh, know? They, they, <laughs> yeah, a combination no. of both I suppose. there's a bit of both yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like they do come to the shows uh yeah. but and they, they they love them you know they, they they do um but yeah they do but they, they'd know me and they'd have a different perspective on me Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might not be a good one all yeah. the time <laughs> And then, Pat, for you, of course, it all began back with the Don't Believe Bulls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And how did that even begin? How how did you that, and John meet? That was a strange... I, I, I was uh, in art college in Limerick, but I had met John before I went to college. I was only uh, 18. Yeah. And my brother, Tom, uh, is a, an artist, and he's he uh, he was a photographer at the time, and, and um, he was doing a lot of work with John in Theatre Omnibus when they were... And Bear Dowd and Gene Regan... And, um, back in the day and yes. he was photographing stuff and so when John went solo as a comedian entertainer yeah. he was on uh, Live Mike and loads of TV stuff back in that time and Tom had done the photography with him they were very friendly so he came down to visit Tom and Turles one time and I was playing my one of my first gigs with a band I had at the time called The Scratch Machine I was playing saxophone and, and uh, we were a blues band and uh John got up and sang us and had a bit of crack and I got to know him so when I went to college in Limerick mm. uh, he said come on down he was doing a residency in Costello's would I bring the saxophone with me and just get up and play a tune with him so I did that and we, we just started having the crack really um, 
and then John was going on tour and I went out and toured with him a little bit while I was in college and then at the end of the year the sound engineer with John had left and he said look you know the show and you know what you're doing do you want to come out and the road with me do sound and lights and stuff and I, I, I left college and went out on the road doing that and we were kind of starting to write sketches and have a bit of crack and, and I used to play music with John but there was never a straightforward playing a tune you know yeah, if it was a, yeah. if it was doing something like we, I used to play Summertime with him that old jazz standard and with two was a tug off to our underpants and run around as if we're on the beach <laughs> <laughs> and do a whole sketch around it yeah. and then there was another thing with an overcoat and then there was another thing with a clarinet we used to do this kind of piece so we, it was all sketches and stuff and we got to the stage where people were loving the two of us together and we made this decision then that I would come out from behind us after about four years of writing stuff come out from behind the sound desk and actually form a show together and the first show we did was It's My Shout and about two young fellas kind of growing up in rural Ireland yeah. and it was just the mad comedy sketches and stuff and then one hell of a do came after that which was the two wedding characters and yes, yeah. the, the characters in that were called Dunbelievables and after that show myself and John became known as Dunbelievables even though we were John and Pat. We were, you know, yeah. I was on the poster, but Don't Believe Us was the character. So the following show we did then after that, I can't remember what it was, it might have been a Dallas' Pauline, but what we did was we kept the names of Don't Believe Us because that's what people were calling us. Yeah, you, yeah. People were saying, have you seen Don't Believe Us? Have you seen Don't Believe Us? And not, yeah. have you seen John Kenny and Pat Short? And that's kind of how it started. Yeah. And that show, One Hell of a Do, became huge. Absolutely massive. We toured all over the world with that. Um, all over the states and Europe, down as far as Africa and everywhere. Wow, as far yeah. as wow, got yeah, that, Zambia yeah. and Zimbabwe and down around there. So yeah. and we went to Russia with it as well, in Moscow. Yeah. It just shows you that it was a universal comedy yeah, to be well, enjoyed by everyone. Yeah, know? I mean, we yeah. like I'm in I, in England. They were calling us comedy de l'art and, and stuff in the continent. In Holland, they were calling us that because yeah, yeah. that's a style of performance where people come in from all over the place. And in uh, America and in, mid, in the Midwest, they were calling us vaudevillian players. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was just funny, you know, in yeah, one of the yeah. reviews over there. So you, it was kind of funny we were described, but we were, I suppose, it was a great time to be doing comedy in Ireland because Father Ted was starting up. We yes, were on that. You were, yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. We, we were going before that and we knew the guys, Arthur and Graham, and had, had been to see us and they were mad about us and they wanted us to be part of that show as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think every comedian was kind of involved in that show one time. Yeah. But it was what a show to be involved in, you know, it was, it was amazing. I was about to say, actually, we're going to be talking to Arthur Matthews um, hopefully soon on yeah. the telly show. Um, he's promised us he, he's uh, coming he will, he's, great, he's, no, he's a great guy. I'm yeah. looking forward to that. But I'm also dying to talk uh, to him. I mean, he's worked on so many great shows yeah. and so has, has yourself. But what was it like? Father Ted is so iconic now. What was it like to be a part of it at the well, time? It, it was strange because the iconic status of Father Ted came after it was yeah, made. Well, course, I, I, yeah. I wasn't in the last series. I was in the first two. And in those, it was it was a small show. Mm. I think by the last series, people were aware of how huge it was. Uh, it was huge in the UK by series three. But I think there was series one, then two, and then there was a gap of a year, and then series three or something like that. Mm. I art would be better. I, it's a long time since, since we did it, so I can't remember. And I remember, um, like, we were down in Clare. The first one we shot in Donna Bate out the road mm. and then we went down to uh, the Falls Hotel down in Ennis Time and we were shooting down around there for series two and I remember my brother uh, Joe was a teacher in the UK and he said he rang me one day and said they've they've sussed me out and I said what do you mean he says they know I look like you <laughs> <laughs> and they're going fake drink fake and he said this show is huge over here Pat and I said you're joking and he said yeah he said when you see the kids in this playground taking off Father Jack and stuff like that. Yeah. And that was the one, fake drink, fake, you know, yeah, uh, that, yeah, that the yeah. kids were hilarious finding drink and yeah. drinking all that. So he said uh, they've, they've then twigged that I was his brother, you know. Yeah, so yeah. he got an awful slagging off over. But that was when, that was after series two. 
Yes, and that was yeah. when it started to become iconic and big. And it kind of was years later. I remember being stopped in the street in London yeah, yeah. Uh, by people going, you're the guy off Father Ted. Yeah, you know? I shot J.R. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I did a tour in Australia and every radio station I went to, that, about three, four years ago now, uh, yeah. every, they all presented me with a nice shot J.R. t-shirt. Really? So it's amazing. <laughs> you're like, thanks for yeah. another one. <laughs> it's amazing how it follows you around the world. Like, it was, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it was huge. huge yeah, huge. yeah. And it's a fantastic show to have began, I guess, your acting yeah. career on as yeah, well. Yeah, it was. Know? It was the first TV show I ever did. Yeah. yeah. I was was I remember my first scene uh, was episode one. I was sitting on the wall or whatever. But then <laughs> I had to drop my trousers and say, "Look at me! Look at that father! Me own dog did that to me. Doesn't it look like a face or something?" Like that. <laughs> I remember that scene. Yeah. I, it was the first TV thing I ever did. And my dad was watching it. <laughs> you know, he was that impressed. Yeah. <laughs> There's Pat now. Yeah, taking his trousers down on television. <laughs> and he was in Wales at the time. My dad. I don't know what he was doing over there. And he was watching on Channel Four, and it was very exciting. Uh, his son is on Channel 4 and then I take my trousers down and <laughs> ruin it all. <laughs> um, speaking of your dad, actually, yeah. I love watching the relationship between you two on uh, Who Do You oh, Think yeah. You Are? He became a TV sensation. He out of that. did, but it was so funny because yeah. I was watching it and like going to all these lengths of like finding out all about your family and then at the end, I was like, sure I knew that. Sure yeah. I knew. <laughs> I like, that's such a typical dad thing to happen, isn't it? Oh, I could have told you that. I could have told you yeah. all that. I was like, Why didn't you tell us all that? <laughs> um, he's hilarious. I mean, he's a gas man, Christy. Yeah, yeah. He really is. And he, he's 87 like he's a fantastic character yeah. but he's a he's a sharp as a button like yeah. oh yeah and a yeah. mindful of knowledge you know and yeah. he and like he did know a lot of that stuff he just forgot to tell yeah. us or he did tell us when we were kids and sure you know yourself when your alpha is telling you these stories are going over your head and you're yeah. going ah, yeah, 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 yeah 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 and then later on when you come interested in all this stuff uh, sure, he could have told us all those kind of things. But it was a great programme. I, I really loved doing it. Yeah, and I heard you saying, even at the time, um, I think it was on The Late Later, that you found it a lot more emotional than you even thought yeah, you would was, at the beginning. Yeah, There was a story my dad had told me about um, his grandfather, would be my great-grandfather, who all his siblings went to America, and he was the youngest. He was only mm. a baby. So he was kind of an afterthought. <laughs> he was literally a baby when they were the youngest was next to him was 16 or something mm. like that. So... And they all emigrated, every one of them, and he never saw them again. And he used to sit at Christmas time, <clears throat> and he used to, uh, every Christmas, he had a story from his dad, my my dad, had a story that his grandfather used to, every Christmas over a drink, get a bit emotional, and he'd cry, sit by the fire crying oh. about his siblings. I'm even getting well enough thinking about it now. Sorry. And uh, <laughs> No, and it was terribly sad because he wrote to his sister, and the letter was never delivered. Ah, oh, God. And she, her daughter got the letter just after she died and his photograph and everything. So they'd never made contact, even though the letter had gone yeah. a year earlier. Gosh. And he would have, she would have seen the photograph of him. So that was very, very sad. It was just one of those things that happened. The letter never got delivered on time. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so they wrote back this lovely letter, which was I was reading on the show. Mm. And in that letter, they were saying that they were crying, thinking that she'd always talked about him. Oh, so it's desperately sad. Yeah, isn't it? how close isn't, yeah. it came to have been mm. such a joyful reunion. So that was yeah. that was, t and then there was the mad story at the end that um, on my mother's side that my that my grand my my granduncle, it would have been my great granduncle, it would have been my mother's uncle, was accused of murdering a landlord back in yes. Tipperary. Yeah, yeah. And what was interesting in that story was the whole story of the house and. The rampant sex they were all having with each other, not, not my relations, yeah, but in yeah. the big house. And yeah. how your man was an awful character, this landlord yes, uh, yeah. character. And he was murdered anyway. 
and shot and my cousin was brought in. And what made that, my granduncle, great-granduncle, was brought in and accused, he was only 20-something at the time. And it was the first forensic science case in Ireland. That's what made it an important case. And the fact that he was a magistrate was a big case. And it was international news, was in all the papers. So there were so many people involved in that story that uh, he, 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 he was freed from prison. He could have been hung over it. Um, but they couldn't get any evidence on him. Mm. And there were so many people that could have done it. Yes, yes. That he was released and freed. So what didn't come out on the, the programme uh, was he went to America that week and it turns out Mrs. Bradshaw, the wife of the Pady's Fair, to America. Oh, really? <laughs> Which implicated her in the whole thing. <laughs> oh, God. And, and I got a phone call. I didn't know she was saying this. I got... <laughs> When the programme went out, it yeah, was, it was yeah. a really weird story. When the programme went out in there, um, my daughter was getting grinds. William Alice was his name. Yes, uh, yeah. I, I, I never knew this name, mm. the connection. So um, th- this woman had been coming to our house doing a maths grind with my daughter for two years. Mm. And she rang us after the programme and said, do you not know my name is Alice? And we went, no, Mary, I didn't realise you were Mary Alice. I just never thought of it. You know? Yeah, yeah. And she says, we have to go and... <laughs> Oh my God, <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> she was related to him. She yeah. was indirectly related to me as well, you know, as a long distance cousin. And, yeah, um, yeah. He must have done it. <laughs> I, think he, I think he might have. <laughs> so the gun was turned up in their family. And nice. back in the 60s, yeah, yeah. Uh, his grandsons, two yeah. of them came over from America. And because he never came back to Ireland. And they had a story that their grandfather had shot a landlord in Ireland. And they went to visit these relations and the gun was buried in the farm and it was dug up and given to them. And it was in the Irish Independent or the newspaper of the time, the press or whatever it was. Back in 1966, yeah. they, they came back and it was the anniversary to um, the 1916. So it was the 50th anniversary. So it was the, those type of stories were big news. At the time. And the paper did a whole story on it and photographed them with the gun and they have the photograph and the clippings and everything. Oh my God. So that's a that's a yeah, that's, yeah. That's exclusive, exclusive there. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. That's so funny. Yeah, there's no murder in the family. Actually, no. there, there might just be one murder. In it the looks family. like there might be one. There. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hidden away. That's guys. Shows you aren't so small sometimes, isn't it? Isn't Amazing. It? Yeah, Amazing. the connections. Yeah. Um, but Pat, um, going back to <laughs> sorry, the, we're from one no, there. no, no, no. <laughs> that was great. No, because I loved that episode. Mm. Of Who do you think you are? So it's gas to know that that's the outcome of yeah. it. How it all yeah. comes together. Yeah. Um, but moving on from um, the Unbelievables, then, how did you find for you, um, were you feeling a bit nervous about going out on your own? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah I, I, very much so, um, because I had never, I'd never performed on my own. Yeah, ever. yeah. I mean, I, when I started my career in comedy or theatre or whatever you want to call it, um, I don't even know what to call it myself. But, um, I was working with John as a double act. Yes. So yeah. when John got sick that time, we were off mm. for about two years before. I didn't work for two years. Um, I think I did a movie or something in the middle of it, but I kind of was. We were going to go back out the road together, and that didn't happen. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, I made the decision then because I had to work and I had to go out and do a one man show. Yeah. And yeah, I did found it very very nervous. Even though I performed a lot of solo pieces and monologues and all sorts of things like that. Mm. It's a whole different ballgame when you carry a show yourself. You have to just the craft of stage, craft of of bringing an audience along with you, peaks and troughs and all that kind of stuff yes, and, and yes. how to play it and I just I had to find my feet and do it and yeah, I was dreadfully nervous, but 
pulled it off and, and it off. Uh, here we are today. Yeah, yeah still going. <laughs> um, but of course, at some point, this the one man shows and that led to your role in Garage, which yes. I feel has to be for you a, a big marker in your career. That was a turning point in, in, in my career on, on in relation to TV and film. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I had done two commercials with Lenny Abramson before. Yes, um, yeah. And then... Funny enough, Lenny was going to uh, direct uh, Kinless Scully with me at the time. And we, right. we, we'd been working on it together. And Lenny always said, I, I, I'm, I really want to make this film, Adam and Paul. And I've, you know, I'm very, very close to getting it together. So, Pat, if that comes off, I'm going to have to jump ship, which it happened. And I yeah. was, you know, sad in one respect because he's an amazing director and we would have had great fun doing it. Yeah. But in another way, I was delighted for him. So he, he went off and did Adam and Paul, which turned out to be one of my favourite films of all time. It's fantastic. Absolutely really, yeah. incredible film. Mm. So then a, a year or so later, himself and Ed Guiney approached me, Ed from Element and, and yes. Mark O'Halloran, who yeah. wrote Garage. And they had the idea, the film wasn't written at that stage, they, they had the idea for Josie and the character and everything, and they really wanted me to play it. Yeah. And I suppose it's, it, it, I, what I remember asking Lenny, Lenny, why did you pick me for this role? And he said, well, he, he we worked together on a commercial, which was a comedy piece, but he liked the physical comedy and the physical performances that I did with my own stage show and everything so he and he really wanted a physical performance for Josie and that's what he was looking at really yeah yeah and uh, and that's uh, so the, I, I like jumped at the opportunity because I um, Mark had written Adam and Paul as well and that was just amazing amazing film so I knew even before the script was written that this was going to be a good, yeah. a good project good team good guys and I'd worked with Adam before and they're great film company as well so yeah. the script then came to me and I nearly died <laughs> because it was there was a like as I said to Mark you know um, there's great writing but there's lots of stuff there was no writing at all <laughs> it was just down to the performance yeah you know? exactly yeah and uh, we joked about that but it, so yeah that, so yeah, like I worked really closely with Lenny on that and, and in a sense really closely is getting the physical a yeah. uh, aspects to it and everything else and it was a great project yeah. uh, you know it's like anything like that when you really work at something and put the head down yeah, uh, it, you know, great stuff came out of it, and he's yeah. a, he's a great director. Because anyway. um, I was going to say that it's one of those movies. And I suppose when I first watched it, I mean, it's a long time ago since I first mm. watched it, um, but I think I did kind of think like, oh, Pat Short, like yeah, I yeah. set myself into it, <laughs> and it stuck with me for days afterwards. Yeah. You know, like it was a real heaviness I felt after watching it, and I suppose because the character of Josie was so familiar, you uh. know, from uh, you know people that you might have seen in like we town, all went to, country we, town, we, we every, all went you know, to it was that sad somebody, character, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, that you rooted for, but at the same yeah. time it was. And, you know, I mean, I suppose ultimately the fact that he didn't get a happy ending and often to movies mm. like that. I mean, spoiler for the movie. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can spoil it now. Um, but I suppose my question for you, Pat, would be when you were playing that, going really into the depths of Josie, yeah. was it was it hard at the time? Did you find yourself feeling um, immersed in the character? Or could you could you leave him behind? Um, from the minute you hit the set, I could leave him behind. I, I, I can do that with, yeah. with characters. Um, but when you hit set, it was very much you got into him. And I did, it was one of those movies where I did kind of distance myself from a lot of the other actors as such and tried to avoid. One thing that you do on films a lot when there's a turnaround or on TV, uh, when the lighting. So, so for people that don't understand it, we're shooting the two of us now. In a film, we'd be shooting with a single camera. They might shoot me. And then they turn around, they shoot you, same stuff. And they'll shoot a master shot of the two of us, but the lighting will have to be changed. And on film and TV, sometimes when that happens, it could be an hour for the crew to turn everything around, uh, whether it's the set or whatever it is. And that, you can fall into small chat and 
cups of tea and fags and chatting away and, and suddenly you're out of character and yes. then you've got to turn around yes. and shoot again. So I think with Josie, he was such an intense character that uh, I, and the physical aspects of him, I kind of avoided, I used to wander off on my own and kind of stay in character a little bit. And yeah. then when we come back to shooting. And the great thing about Garage was there was very little lighting used. Um, a lot of naturals, great cameraman uh, working on it. Um, so it was, it, it was very minimalistic in that respect. So the turnaround times didn't take long. Yeah, you know? yeah. And as a result, we were able to keep going. I think Lenny was, was very particular too about trying to keep me away from people, not to be, and keep people away from me, not to, because yeah, to, yeah. he knew what I was trying to do with that as well and yeah. stay into it. And we used to, you know, we used to have a thing too where like, you know, I was kind of, you know, I was so used to playing comedy characters. I'd be saying, Lenny, stop me, stop me if you see my face going to a certain direction or something. You know, we had this thing going on with us. So, yeah, yeah he, he'd pull me to check on, on at times at that as well. But it was great. We got there in the end. Yeah, moment. yeah. And a fantastic piece mm. of work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, another role I loved you in um, was Jared Barrett's Small Town. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Tom and that. That show, again, was another one. Um, that I think 2016 it came out yeah um and it really and I think like that Lenny Abrahamson is a great director um but Jared Barrett really has that eye for detail like the real mm. idiosyncrasies of Irish life yeah and um I remember watching that last episode and I actually watched it with a friend who had lost her mother oh. and by the end we were both crying because oh, like, that's yeah. what it's like yeah that's what a family funeral is yeah. like and it to be honest I was almost at the end I was like that was too close that was too close to the bone <laughs> journalism is amazing like that yeah, he, he yeah. really really is with the detail of of Irish life and if you, yes. you know and I think that's why he wanted me is in that role as well because he saw my performance apart from garage but just in the comedy sense and the characters I do uh, how I kind of hit Irish life and yeah, Irish characters yeah. so I think very much with the boys it was he he had a very good friend a priest who's sadly passed away since from cancer who was a really good uh, mentor to to Jared and also Jared went to him for a lot of the detail of how uh, priest handles uh, and orchestrates a situation like that, yeah, which yeah. is very important. And I thought that scene with the priest in it was brilliant. Yeah, because it did. Like we just sat there, you know, um, and, and families are like that, and that's the really important role of a priest or someone like that. Yeah, in yeah. a situation like that, when when the family are just trying to struggle with with what's going on around them, mm. and and the loss and the devastation and everything. The priest will oftentimes orchestrate and tell you it's okay to talk now. You can say goodbye to her. You can do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and people need that. You know, yeah, people you don't do. Want to be doing. No, you don't. And yeah, it's very, yeah. you know. So I think Jared really, really captured that. Yeah. And I was amazed too with Small Town that cancer hits. It's savage in this country, and mm. the statistics is one in at four. You know. So, you know, I know in my family, for example, I'm from a family of eleven, and the statistics. Uh, my mother died and my sister had died of cancer and uh, another family member was, had cancer and thankfully it's, it's all clear. Mm-hmm. So we hit the statistics perfectly, you know, if you were to take our family. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and nothing had ever been done in cancer before. No TV program had, uh, or drama had hit the subject of it. Yeah, yeah. And I was surprised at that. Um, yeah. It was also about immigration. There was a lot more to it and how the family coped and everything else. It was a brilliant piece of work. I was really delighted to be part of it. You know? Yeah, it was. It's fantastic. And is there a season two? No. There I, was. I was sure there, there was. was. There was. I was like, even when I was looking at, I was <laughs> looking up to this for the interview part, I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I saw a clip of season no, do you know two. What was? was there something? <laughs> yeah. Jared will kill me for this. <laughs> Sorry, Jared. Uh, Jared, Jared uh, uh, yeah, Jared and his wife, they had a baby and uh, Jared rang me and said, look, season two is going ahead. 
I, I, we're, we're having a baby, I can't make the launch, uh, TV3, will you go to it? And I said, well, <laughs> being contracted. <laughs> I said, okay, so yeah, look, Pat, please, just go stand in for the photo. So we, I did the launch. <laughs> Lad, where you? There you And I was there, I and it was, was it was announced on. season two and everything yeah, else. Yeah. And it just, I think Jared got so busy with other projects, and then yeah. I think I think another part of it too was some of the cast members. I know one of the girls just shot to massive meteoric fame and was off shooting some yes, big project in, yeah, in France yeah. and trying to get everybody together. It was just I was the scripts written and everything, and the project was ready to go. Yeah, yeah. And it just it just got bogged down with trying to. Trying to get everyone together. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good thing. Sometimes, you know, it's so, set, sits there. It's three episodes, wasn't yes, it? Yeah. Yes, yeah, three hours. Um, yeah. I'd hope they would put it on again, actually. It would be great. It would, actually, yeah. yeah no, yeah. it's a, a really good piece of work. You know? Yeah. Um, I actually, I did the review of it. The quote was on the DVD first. So I got to bring that oh, home, right. yeah, to my mum and dad at Christmas and they thought I was a big shot. So thanks, <laughs> thanks for that. Oh, thank yeah. you, Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing now you've got coming up, um, Pat, is the belly of the whale. Yeah. yeah. So uh, tell us about that. Yeah, it's, it's, gosh, I'm trying to remember now <laughs> everything about it. <laughs> it's this, is the pro- no, this is the problem with films. Yeah. You, you do shoot a film and a year later uh, it comes out. Like, this tell is, us all about it. This yeah. is two years later. Um, right. Um, so I'm forgetting names and everything else. But uh, Morgan Bush is the director. It, it's a great story. It's um, it's it's an interesting one. It's kind of like a, a, a bromance between this 60-year-old man, which I play, and yeah. this young fella. Um, uh, who's a young Scottish actor, he's an amazing actor. He, yeah. he was in Monster Call, um, that film with Liam Neeson and everyone else. Oh, and he's, yes. he's done a couple of uh, great movies. And it's funny, I did a, we were at a screening last uh, summer and I think I hadn't seen him in two years. And that's the problem with shooting with kids. Is uh, they come back and now they're shaving and yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't recognise them at young all. Young man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's a young girl and it's from Dublin. And the names have gone for me now. Terribly sorry about that. Um, but uh, she was just outstanding as well. So anyway, this my character is uh, down his luck. He's kind of his wife is dying and he has a kind of a last ditch effort. He buys a. He's he's a recovering alcoholic and he at one of the AA meetings he, he meets a guy who tells him if you buy all these toys this amusement park will take them and he goes out to me of course it's a scam he's been ripped off and his money's gone he's trying to raise money to get drugs for his wife mm. to save her life so he, he's down in his luck and he's in a camper van he pulls into this caravan park which is Moody's which is this young fella's family come and there's a kind of a dark st- backstory there with him and his dad dying so he comes back after and he settles in and there's a party tonight he comes back with some other teenagers and they burn down the camper van by accident. So right. what ends up happening then is he feels he owes something to my character and we get a robbery going together, the two of us, to rob this amusement park yeah. to, get, to get money back. And you've got to see it after that. It's I think what in, in Chicago it was in the film festival there and they kind of likened it to a Coen Brothers movie. So it's, oh, great. it's, yeah. qu- it's really dark and, and, yeah. and, and funny in spots, but, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's really interesting movie yeah, yeah yeah and Pat I know there's um, there's there's so much to talk to you about but I suppose <laughs> I've let you go at some point point. Yeah. Um, you've worked on the West End you've worked on Broadway yeah, yeah. I know you've worked with like pretty much some of our best talent as well with the terms of you know Lenny Abramson Lenny Abramson Jared Barrett I'll get his name right Martin McDonough of course yes, as well yeah, most yeah. recently yeah. Uh, but for you and now that I suppose you've done 
so much in terms of acting, comedy, stage work. Um, where do you feel most at home? Well, Besides I, home. Besides <laughs> <laughs> home now. Yeah. No, I love comedy. I love doing stage. Cause that's where I started. And I love like going to Olympia now is going to be great in yeah. January. Um, uh, I'm currently touring with the show as well all over the country. And it's just getting out in front of an audience. I think any actor will tell you that. I mean, film is great. And I love doing TV and film. And it really is a great medium. Yeah. But you can't be stepping out in front of a live audience. That's why so many film actors go to Broadway in the West End to get onto a theatre and onto a stage because that moment you walk out in front of the audience and, and create, there's nothing like theatre. Theatre will always be there. Yeah, yeah. TV, internet will take different shapes, forms and otherwise, but theatre will always be there because it is that magic of going into a theatre and watching someone on a stage performing. Everyone loves it. So yeah. It's great. Yeah. And for me, yeah, doing the comedy shows, getting down into the audience and having the crack. It's great. You can't beat that roar of laughter from an audience. Yeah, yeah. You know? The immersive experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, my final question for you is, um, I know you're pro- approaching 51, but you had the landmark birthday <laughs> of 50. Um, and I just wanted to know, I suppose, how did you find that? And how do you find life at 50 now, as opposed to maybe when you were starting off? It, is, it is a bit of a milestone, even though it passes you by without you thinking. You know what I mean? Yeah, But yeah. I suppose... It's not just been 50, it's like the last couple of years, you don't give a shit about anything really, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. It gets easier to do things, I think, uh, because you just, I suppose you get to that stage of your life, you're kind of fairly confident in what you're at, Yeah. I think, so you just kind of plough along and keep going, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it does, it, like, yeah, it, it, it is a great, ah, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and do you have, at the moment now, is there anything on your bucket list in terms of your career that you're sort of, I would love to one day get to work with this person, or is there, is there a play, or are you just sort of, no, there's nothing really. I mean, I'm, I'm just happy to be able to get out and, and tour yeah. and, and that I can keep going out doing shows in front of audiences and the audiences still come to the shows. Uh, and to me, just to keep that going, I have another two films coming up next year. I'm starting to work on I have another film coming out next year as well. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a lot of, lot of stuff happening and interesting projects coming up Yeah. Uh, as well as doing the live show. And I'm touring abroad a good bit next year, probably out to Australia and back to America and the UK as well. So like it was, I'm really excited about that as well, taking yeah, the show yeah. abroad. So. Well, it sounds great and good luck with it all. I <laughs> can't you. wait to see more of what you do, Pat. It was lovely to talk to you Thanks, today. Thanks, Fiona. Thank you. Thank you. That's it from me. Thanks again to Pat Short for coming in to have a chat. More great guests on the way to the telly show. Please feel free to review and give me your thoughts on the podcast on iTunes and, of course, tell your mates about it if you are listening. Of course, you are listening because you're listening right now. Um, but continue to listen, please. Um, and also, you can watch the show if you want to see um, how we film the telly show. You can see the interviews up on entertainment.e's YouTube channel. Um, so, yeah, um, that's it for me. As I said, thanks for listening and talk to you next week. Bye.